This evening's scripture is James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any under other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good evening. My name is Josh Havman. Uh, I was here last week, actually. We get to be here with you guys again this week, uh, and then you won't see me again for months and months. But I promise I haven't left entirely. I'm still around. This evening we are going to talk about James once again. We are still in this series called Faith Works. And last week I made a point of saying that we want you all to have a faith that works itself out so that there is something consistent about your actions and your speech. We said this title, this idea, Faith Works, it is in part about you doing things that match up with what you say you believe. And that's true. We're not trying to get rid of that in any way tonight. But I also want you to see in James and in the Word that it's not just about having a testimony that's consistent. It's also about receiving real benefit. God wants your faith to do good in your life and through your life. He wants you to receive good things from Him, and He wants you to give good things to other people. And so your faith should do good things for you. You should find your faith working itself out in your life produces good in what you do with your hands and what you say in your relationships and all those things. So when we talk about faith working, understand that there should be some real practical benefit to having faith. Tonight we're talking about patience, and James is going to lead off with that very phrase that most of us don't want to hear when we are impatient, and it is simply be patient. This is often a difficulty among friends, among uh, husbands and wives, right? When people get together and they're in close relationship and one of them is being impatient and the other one comes up and says, why don't you just be patient? It's like the worst possible response, right? Nobody wants to hear that. Why? Because we're already impatient. We don't need a reminder that we're not patient. We know it. And that is still what James says. So why is James able to say this. And why does James say this? And I'm going to tell you right now, he says this. He says, be patient, because he knows that we have a problem with patience. He knew it thousands of years before he ever uh, could see us, right? He knew that we would have a problem with patience. And I do mean we, I do mean me. I have had a problem with patience since I was a small child, always wanting things that I could not yet have. I don't know if you've met that kind of child, right? But they're always asking, what comes next? When can we go here? When, when does this happen? That was me all the time. I was very impatient, and I also had a terrible temper, right? And that was my 
that was my existence for years. And I would get mad at people and they would call me names because I would get mad at people. And they knew how to push my buttons. And the Lord has been delivering me of that for years as well, showing me the value of patience. But it's not just me. All you have to do is look at our world to know that we are an impatient people. Some of you remember a time when you wanted to get a hold of somebody, you called a phone, and that phone was attached to a physical building, right? A house or an office. And you would call that phone expecting a person to be there, maybe, because sometimes they weren't. And you could leave a message for them, but sometimes they wouldn't return your call. And so we thought, you know, that's not going to work. We can't have that. We should have a a different way of contacting them. And the Postal Service isn't going to do it. That takes days, maybe even weeks. So let's try electronic mail, right? And if that doesn't work, let's try cell phones in everybody's pocket. And if that doesn't work, let's try two or three different messaging apps, you know, so that if I text them and they don't get it, maybe I can also Marco Polo them and maybe they'll get that. And it just goes on and on, right? And you guys know what this is like because you live and breathe this. And we're impatient all the time. And so James knew that we needed to hear this word well before we knew that we needed to hear this word. And our world is constantly trying to drown out everything that it should be paying attention to with just more and more activity. So James tells us we need to be patient. But he doesn't just tell us be patient. He tells us in the context of the rest of chapter 4 of the rest of the book of James. So I've hit that twice now. It's either going to advance real quick or not at all. Hold on one more time. Nope, not at all. Brody's going to troubleshoot. Hey, look at that. Thank you. Uh, James 4.10 says, humble yourself. And then James 4.17 is going to say, uh, you also need to think of God's will as more important than your own. Too far. Go back, go back. There we go. And then he's going to say, one more, if you would, sir. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. That therefore, it it points us backward in the book of James. Other stuff has come before this verse. And so what other stuff has come before this verse? Lots of things. You could, in truth, read all of James up to this point and understand that therefore we ought to be patient. But I'm going to point out just two things that are helpful. One is that in James 4.10, he says, Humble yourself. If you want to be exalted, let God exalt you. Don't try and do that for yourself. And then in 4.17, he talks about us submitting ourselves to God's will. He says, listen, you're just missed. You're only here for a minute, right? We need to say God's will be done, not our will be done. And so those things specifically are helpful for us in being patient because here's what James is talking about. Not just not getting angry, not just being quiet and calm for an afternoon. Not just waiting in line and not getting angry, right? That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about waiting for the coming of the Lord. Because already in James's time, people are starting to ask the question, when? When, God? When are you coming? And so James knows that there is a larger scope that we need to be paying attention to. Because ultimately, this is what we need to be patient about. It's true that we should be kind to each other. It's true that we should be, be patient and calm and peaceful and all those sorts of things. But there's a context here, which is the Lord is coming back. And the Lord has a plan. And his plan is that all of those who believe on him would be saved and all of those who are saved would go and live forever with him eternally, new bodies, new home, new heaven, new earth. That's his plan. And that's what he wants us to be patient for. So much so that when we say, 
that we are being impatient, uh, what we're really saying is that we're not waiting on the Lord. Because patience is waiting, right? If you think about what, what is the essence of patience, if I ask somebody to be patient, what am I asking them to do? Essentially, I'm just saying, wait. Just wait. Don't go anywhere else. Don't do anything else. Wait. And so James is saying, wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord's plan and on the Lord's timing. And if you are going to be impatient, understand that you have stopped waiting on the Lord and you have started acting in your own power. So that's what James is talking about. Three things um, that he is going to show us tonight that, that are hows. How do we do this? How do we be patient in this world? How do we wait on the Lord? And he's going to give us this example of what it's like to be in the world and interact with the world. We are physical creatures, and he's put us in a physical place, and there is a great example in the farmer and the, the person who is watching for rain and watching for crops, right? So he's going to give us that example, that how. He's going to give us this observation about the fact that we grumble with each other, and we should not because God has given us each other to wait alongside and wait with. And then finally, he's going to point to the prophets and to Job, and he's going to say, look at these examples that you've been given. So that's all how. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But James doesn't exactly say why. Why patience? Why should we be patient? If we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we understand love. Absolutely, I want love in my life. No questions asked, right? Joy, of course. Peace, please, Lord. Anytime now, right? Give me some peace. But patience, uh, maybe not. Maybe we could be okay without that one. So why patience? Remember the context that James gave us. Be patient, therefore, because you've humbled yourself, because you're submitting to God's will, so that the why is because he has a timetable for all of the things that he wants to do. So why should we wait on him? Because he wants you and me and more to be saved. Why should we wait on him? Because he's gone to prepare a place for us so that we can be with him eternally. So that's the why. And we will get to it a little bit, but I just want you to know, as James talks about all of these hows, how do we be patient in this world and with each other and um, as we look at other people, understand that behind that also there is this why, that he has a better plan than the one that we have. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you give us your word and that you explain to us, that you develop for us these ideas that you say are important. I pray, Lord, that everyone here tonight would hear what you think is important. And Lord, as we walk away, I pray that your spirit would impress upon us those things that we need today, tonight, uh, to change, to submit to you, Lord, ways that we can humble ourselves and ways that we can submit to you so that we can be patient, so that we can wait on you, so that, Lord, we can participate in your plan. I ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, James starts out saying, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He says, in effect, since you're humble, since you've submitted to God's well, be patient like the farmer until the coming of the Lord. A farmer knows that they cannot make the crop grow any faster than it's going to grow. Even today, even now, even still. There's a man named Tom Yoder. He's a farmer in Kelowna, comes to Grace North Liberty, came up to me after, uh, congregation, after the service this morning. He said, you know what? That's right. 
He's like, I have sweet corn that I want to pick, but I can't pick it because it's not ready yet. I got to wait. And so the Lord is saying through James here, you have to wait. You have to wait. Look at the farmer. The farmer waits. And how does the farmer wait? Not without hope, but with hope of a harvest. The farmer is waiting knowing that God has a plan and knowing that at the end of that plan, there is not just reward, but the intention of that plan working itself out. So when you find yourself in a position where you don't want to wait, where you are impatient, James says, think about farmers. Think about people who have to wait. He talks about the early and the late rains. In Israel, uh, there is rain around the time of planting and rain around the time of harvest. And so he's saying there's natural process, right? The farmer knows this, and the farmer entrusts himself to the Lord, knows what those steps are. So you too, be like him. Know that God is working everything out in its time. That is the question, isn't it? Like, how long do we do this? It's okay. Just go to the next one. You're good. And Ecclesiastes has a clue for us because it's also going to use the same metaphor. What gain has the worker from his toil, the teacher says? I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. The Lord has. And also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So I perceive that there is nothing better for them, for us, to do than to be joyful and do good as long as they live. And also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all of his toil. This is God's gift to man. This is, this is more how. This is more practical how. So you see all of these things that God is doing in the world. You see the natural processes, James says. Look at it like a farmer does. And then also, Scripture tells us, understand that you're going to have to take joy in the daily stuff. You're going to be impatient about that. You're going to want to move faster. Some of you are going to want to have an answer tomorrow for uh, what should I study this fall and what should I focus on. And some of you are going to want to have an answer tomorrow for who should I marry. And you're going to want to have an answer for where should I go next with my life and what should my job be and what should my focus be. And God is saying, I've given you work to do right now. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, do that. Do it for my glory. Do it loving me. Do it in my name, Colossians says, as unto the Lord. So do it that way, because this is actually a gift to you. The thing that you want to get past, the thing you wish was done already, it's a gift for you from the Lord. Treat it that way. Use it that way. Today, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but today you have. So use it that way. And if you ask yourself the question, how long, then answer it the way that Peter does in Second Peter he says, don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to reach repentance. He does say that the Lord will come like a thief and the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. We know that Jesus is coming back at an unspecified time, but we also know that God is being patient with you right now because he wants more people to come to himself. So go all the way back to the beginning. How do we be patient? We look at the world that the Lord has made and we say, what processes has he put in place? He has given us work. He has given us food. He's given us drink. We can find joy in these things and we can find joy in the fact that he himself is being patient toward us. 
that he wants other people to come to know him, that he is waiting so that more might be saved, and that we can do good by participating in that work. So this is what he has given us. This is the answer to how long, as long as the Lord wants to take. We don't know. But we do know that we have good work to do. We do know that other people might be saved if we share the gospel with them. So he calls us to do that. He calls us to do that, to patiently live in this world until the next world is ready. Because remember, that's the goal. That's what the the farmer is waiting for a harvest. That's what we are waiting for is the consummation of all things, of Jesus Christ returning with the new heavens and the new earth and a new home for us. That's why we're waiting. And he also gives us each other. James 5, 9 says, don't grumble against one another, brothers or brothers and sisters, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Any of you guys remember a time when you were with a sibling and you were fighting with each other and then one of you says, shh, mom's here. And mom is just right outside the door and she's waiting to barge in and judge you. (laughs) This is the idea, right? This is the concept here that there are people fighting and there are people who ought to be loving one another because James is writing to the body. He's writing to all of us. And so he doesn't want us to fight with each other because he wants us to be patient together. You guys have probably heard from Ephesians that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities and authorities that are in control in this world because of sin, right? You've probably heard that. You've probably even heard um, people give uh, discourse on Ephesians 6 and talk about the whole armor of God and how it's important to put on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and all these, these weapons. Have you ever heard anybody talk about the fact that you're not alone in that battle? The book of Ephesians is written to Ephesus. It's written to an area. It is not written to an individual. And so all of those people are being commended to do this, and we all likewise are commended to do this together, to not see each other as enemies, but to fight together against our common enemy. And so if we're grumbling against one another, it's going to be really hard to be patient because we're going to see each other as challengers. We're going to see each other's competition. We're going to see each other as obstacles. So James says, don't do that. Don't grumble against one another. Know that the Lord wants to hear you giving praise to him. He doesn't want to judge you. He wants you to be in right relationship with each other. Your enemies are not each other. The body of Christ is here to support itself. So don't grumble against each other. Instead, make God's treasure your treasure and use it wisely. What is God's treasure? You guys know? Who is God's treasure? All of you. All of us. He looked at the cross and he said, I want to save people through that. And so I'm going to endure that so that I can save. So that I can have these people. Everyone that the Father has given to me, I'm going to have. And so I'm going to endure the cross for you. And so if that's his treasure, shouldn't it be our treasure also? Don't look at each other as competition. Don't look at each other as obstacles. When you're impatient, James says, don't grumble with each other, but be patient. Be loving toward one another. And you might answer, well, people are difficult and my circumstances are terrible. Did you know that? Have you, have you met people? Anybody said that about their job? My job would be great except for the people. Anybody? Anybody heard that about you? And you're like, oh, I'm one of those people. People say these sorts of things, right? We say this about each other. Sometimes our circumstances are hard. 
Sometimes the people we have to interact with are a challenge. So what do we do about that? What do we do when our circumstances are very difficult? I told you about um, my sister a couple months ago. She was diagnosed with cancer at 39, and um, I just got to see her this last week. She's just finished with chemo, and she said, this last year has been very difficult, very hard circumstances. And she still has a double mastectomy and a hysterectomy lined up for the next six months. And she doesn't know with any certainty or reliability that she won't get cancer again. Doctors can't promise that, right? That's a reality for her. And she says, I wouldn't trade this year for anything because the Lord is growing me and the Lord is maturing me. And no, I don't want cancer. And if I could take away the cancer part and get all the benefit, I would do that. But I want all of the things that God has given me in this last year. So even though her circumstances are terrible, and she's had to deal with some not nice people in that, right? She knows that the body of Christ is meant to support and encourage her. So she's a witness for me, and I hope she's a witness for you, and God has given us other witnesses as well. James 5.10 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. The prophets who were stoned to death for speaking the name of the Lord. The prophets who were sawn in two for speaking the name of the Lord. The prophets who were told what the future held and also told that they wouldn't see it themselves. Take as an example the prophets when you're impatient and be patient like the prophets were. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. Another why. Another why would you be patient? You've heard of the steadfastness of Job and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. It didn't feel like God was compassionate and merciful to Job in the middle of it all, right? When the property was gone and his children were gone and he was sitting in the ashes scraping his sores, it didn't feel like God was being generous to him in that moment. But Job learned obedience. The prophets were obedient, and we can be like them. We can take them as witnesses. They can serve to show us how to be patient. Those exact stories. Imagine being in Job's situation, having your friend come to you and say to you, you're here because of your sin, clearly, which is what Job's friend said to him. And you might very easily face something like that yourself, where you are doing something, it doesn't appear like you've done anything wrong, and yet you are struggling, and your life is very hard. Could be sickness, it could be uh, dissatisfaction or, or loss of work, it could be any number of things. And you could have somebody come to you and say, well, how are you sinning? God wouldn't be punishing you like this if you weren't sinning. And you could not be sinning. That's a possibility. And how is Job patient? Well, Job is patient in a good way, right? In that he doesn't blame God. He said, God gives and God takes away. I have to bless God's name. I just have to trust that he knows what's best for me. He doesn't want to know what's going on. He does say, God, maybe you could just answer me and give me some back and forth here. And God says, hey, remember I'm God and you're not. So there is a lesson that Job has to learn, but he is an example of patience. And he can be an example just like the prophets. So we can be like them. This passage then ends with these verses. And if you read commentators, it's not quite clear why it ends with these verses. 
Some people think that this is actually pointing back to James, uh, earlier parts of James 5 and James 4. Some people think it's pointing ahead. Here's my best guess based on what I understand from the text, okay? It says, above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. We know for sure, number one, that James is not talking about swear words, okay? When we see the word swear in English, we automatically think foul language. There are much better places in scripture if you want to go to look for reasons why you shouldn't use morally foolish words, foul language, okay? There's other places in scripture to argue against that. That's not what James is talking about. He's talking about vows. He's talking about oaths. And there are two rash or impatient vows that James's audience would have been aware of for sure. One of them you've probably heard of. One of them you may not have heard of. The first one you may not have heard of is from Judges. And it's this man, Jephthah, who says to God, I will give you whatever walks out of my house first as a sacrifice if you let me win this battle. Now, it was not uncommon in Jephthah's day to have animals living in your house because you wanted to protect them, because uh, you wanted to stay warm at night. Lots of reasons, right? So not that strange that something might walk out of his house that he could sacrifice. But the first thing to walk out of his house is his daughter, his only child. And that's a rash vow, right? It's a ostentatious grand promise that he makes for no good reason. And Peter likewise makes a promise to Jesus at the Last Supper. He says, Jesus, I'm going to go to death for you. And Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me. Peter says, what? No, never. Jesus says, yeah, actually a couple times. It's going to happen. Peter does not need to make that promise. All he needs to do, all we need to do is let our yes be yes and our no be no. Because patience is about waiting and we will be tempted to do things, say things like, Lord, I I just need to be more patient. Just make me more patient right now or strike me down. Don't say that, right? Don't do that. You're not going to be more patient. It's not going to happen. So don't make grand promises to God about what you're going to do. Just be faithful. Just say yes or no if the situation requires it. Be humble, put God's will before yours, find joy in him, and wait. Wait on the Lord. And you can ask, what if I'm sick? What if I'm a sinner? What if I'm afraid of everything that might happen if I follow God's will? That's a great question. And I already alluded to the fact that there are lots of witnesses in the Bible. Um, There's a passage in Hebrews that maybe you're familiar with, Uh, It's chapter 11. I don't have chapter 11 up here, but we sometimes call it the hall of faith because there's all of these examples of all of these men and women who have been faithful for hundreds and thousands of years. And then the author of Hebrews concludes that section by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. If you're sick, if you're a sinner, and the sin which clings so closely to us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have lots of good, lots of good examples in Scripture of how to be patient, of how to be faithful, of how to wait on the Lord, but none better than Jesus, right? None better than the person who looks at the cross and says, I have to endure that, but then looks at all of you and says, I want them to be saved, so I'm going to endure that. 
That's waiting on the Lord for his timing, for his plan. That's looking at the late rain and the harvest and saying, that is a better end than the one that I would choose for myself. And so I'm going to choose God's plan because it's the better plan. That's what Jesus does. That's how he endures the cross. That's certainly how we can endure all of these things because we will be sick and we will be beset by sin and we will be tempted to run away from him when all kinds of things come our way. Because you all know, right, when you ask God to teach you to be patient, it's a scary thing. He's going to give you opportunities. That's why you should just ask for patience. Lord, just grant me patience. Make me wake up tomorrow more patient. Don't ask him to teach you patience, right? You guys understand? It's a joke. You should laugh now. Make me feel better. It's hard to be patient. And we know this. And Jesus knew this. If anybody had reason to be impatient, it was him. Right? He had all of the power of God at his disposal. We see him multiply food for hungry people. We see him walk on water. We see him raise the dead. You think Jesus isn't tempted to be impatient and to, to just make things happen? Of course he is. He's tempted in every way that we are. But he endures until the end, even through suffering, because he knows what joy God has set before him, and that's you. That's salvation. That's his plan so that none of you would ever escape his hands. So put that joy in front of you. Be patient these ways, uh, three of them. In the world, trusting God daily for the sun and the rain and the plenty and the want um, with one another, trusting in God corporately. And the last one, um, as we've been shown, trusting God faithfully, waiting for the Father as the prophets did and as Jesus does. And this is going to be challenged as soon as you walk out the doors, right? Absolutely, 100%. You're going to walk out and it's going to be hot and you'll be like, oh, when will this end? Why can't it be fall, right? I've already seen the calls for, for rejecting, right? Canceling summer. We need to have fall only from here on, on, on forward. The pumpkin spice stuff is already on the shelves. Let's just do it. Just have fall, right? That's, that's going to happen. And if it's not that, it's going to be some other thing that will tempt you to be impatient, to stop waiting on the Lord's plan and to start inserting your plan. It's going to happen. So know that James has given you options. He's given you how. How can I do this daily, day in and day out? Just like the farmer knows that he can't rush those crops, know that you can't rush God's plan. Know that he has a better end in mind than the one that you would choose for yourself. Know that he has given you each other to support each other and encourage one another that you shouldn't be doing this alone. And know that he has given you all kinds of witnesses, including himself, of what it looks like to be patient. You pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would teach us, help us, Lord, to be patient. We do want you to give us patience, but we also do want you to teach us. We need that, Lord. We need to grow and to mature, and we need our faith to work itself out in this way so that we can learn, so that we can share this joy with others, so that we can call others to you by your power and by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that you are patient with us, and I thank you that you are bringing more and more to yourself. Lord, help us to see this harvest that is ready and to be active workers for your name's sake. I ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.